right, well, welcome back to week three of our series, Addicted. And if you have not been here, or if you're a guest today, we'll explain what that means to you. Uh, but we are in the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we've been looking at the ministry of the Stephanus family and their passionate desire to help others. And so far we've seen that it all starts with love and that ministry begins in the church. And this morning we're headed back to 1 Corinthians 16. And today we're going to understand uh, part three, ministry is supplying a need. Ministry is supplying a need. Uh, as you turn there, don't forget that we have a special Good Friday service this year on April 7th at 6.30 p.m. And so mark that down on your calendar, April 7th, 6.30 p.m. And we'll remember what Christ has done for us and partake in communion together. And then Resurrection Sunday is April 9th, and we are looking forward to a special service that day uh, at our normal time. We still need some folks to help with candy for the giant candy hunt. And there's a donation barrel out in the lobby. All right, let's read now 1 Corinthians 16. And today we'll start in verse number 15. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Now, at some point, everyone has a need, uh, all of us. That includes you, me, the Apostle Paul. We all have needs. And ministry, in its most simple form, is meeting someone else's need. That's what it is. And, and these people, this family, was addicted to meeting other people's needs. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, in these modern times, we have the potential to be addicted to a lot of different things. And I know people talk a lot about substances and different types of addictions. One of the greatest addictions in society right now uh, is the addiction to a cell phone. Uh, it legitimately is an addiction. You say, oh, I don't believe it's an addiction. Okay, then put yours away for 48 hours. Okay, and don't touch it. Um, and tell me how it goes, okay? Uh, if you can do that, then you're right. It's not an addiction. But if you can't do that, then that means it is. And uh, I know that iPhones have the thing on Sunday morning to tell you how long you use the device uh, that week, and uh, your iPad has it too, and it's amazing how many hours we spend on those apps and how many times people touch their phones every day, and uh, kids are programmed <clears throat> to touch a device every 18 seconds of the day. Uh, so it, it's really shaping their brains in, in a fashion. Now, this sermon's not about addiction. I'm just telling you, there are many things that we're addicted to, 
besides helping other people. And in fact, we're addicted to all these other things, which means we can't help other people because we've placed so many obstacles in the way to helping other people. Namely, that we say we don't have the time. Well, why don't we have the time? Because we're addicted to devices and television and all these other things that we have going on. And so, when we talk about ministry in its most simple form today, it is with the premise that we actually will take the time and the effort to meet someone else's need. Uh, Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus one day, this is in Mark 10, I love this, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And old Bartimaeus is sitting there by the way, and he, he expressed his need. He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And you remember Jesus said to him, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. And followed Jesus in the way. It was a simple interaction. The man had a need. Jesus met his need. Uh, let me ask you a strange question, though. And, uh, I'm not trying to trick you, okay? Uh, I would never try to do that unless I was trying to do it for fun. And then I might try to do it. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever read about a need that Jesus couldn't meet? Ooh, it's a trick question, isn't it? You ever about, read about a need that Jesus couldn't meet? It's an interesting one. Uh, earlier in Mark 10, same chapter as blind Bartimaeus, James and John had come to Jesus. And, and they said, Jesus, we'd like you to do something for us. And you know that Jesus asked them the same exact question that he asked Bartimaeus? What do you want me to do for you? Well, their need was a little different than the need of the old blind man. Here's what their need was. Lord, grant us that we may sit in glory, one on your right hand and one on your left. Just a simple need, right? And not self-serving in any way. I'm sure their intentions were good. They wanted to be close to Jesus, but Jesus didn't meet their need. Instead, he asked them if they were willing to drink of the cup of suffering that he was going to drink, and they said, yes, we're, we're willing to do it. We'll do it. And he said, indeed you shall, but to sit on my right hand or my left hand is not mine to give. It will be given to them for whom it is prepared. And the need of James and John could not be met in the fashion that they had asked. Not because Jesus was limited in power, but because the outcome was already determined. The request was outside of God's will. Now, sometimes we can meet another person's need. Uh, it's obvious that we can meet the need. It's a simple transaction. In other cases, we can't meet the need because either the request is outside of God's will, like James and John's request was, or the outcome belongs to God. In other words, it's something only God can do. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, because even Paul had a need that wasn't met according to his terms. 
he specifically asked the Lord three times to take away what he called his thorn in the flesh. May have been his eyesight, we're not sure. And Jesus replied to him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And sometimes, instead of meeting the need according to our terms, according to our specific request, Jesus offers us grace and strength. And you have to admire Paul's attitude after Jesus said, Paul, I'm not going to meet your need, but my grace is sufficient, and my strength is going to perfect you. And Paul answered, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And and so ministry is supplying a need, but there are times when only God can meet the need, when only Jesus can provide the grace necessary for the situation. Uh, Over the years, I've had people come to me uh, many different times looking for counsel on impossible situations. Uh, Option one, horrible. Option two, equally horrible. Option three, just as horrible. And you say, well, where can we go with this need? Only to the God who redeems. Only to the God who restores. Fall on his grace. Uh, Today we aren't talking about those kinds of needs, but I want you to know that those kinds of needs do exist. Uh, Today we're talking about needs that God has given us the resources and the strength and the time and the faith to meet. And so having said that, let's ask an obvious question, what are needs? What are needs? And we're going into your notes now if you want to look inside your bulletin, uh, or if you do it on the YouVersion app, you can follow along there. When we think about needs, our minds uh, might first go to physical needs, Those are the obvious ones, right? Uh, Or spiritual needs. But there are also uh, emotional needs to consider. Needs that may not necessarily be visible to another person. There may be a person sitting close to you who has a need today that you would never know about, just looking at them physically. And in this case, Paul may be referencing uh, another need, a need for information. I'll give you the backstory on this. Some Bible teachers say that Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, uh, likely the need that they met was that they provided Paul with some context into what was really happening in Corinth. Paul didn't know the full story uh, before he wrote the letter, and so he didn't know how to help the church. Uh, The church had written to him, but these men had helped him read between the lines on the Corinth situation. Information is crucial in meeting needs. Now, information, like many other things, can be used to bless or to curse. Okay, information can be used to meet a need Or it can be used to leverage accusations and start a gossip party. Unfortunately, 
Many people use information to hurt instead of help. And, and that's why so many people have trust issues. That's why so many people would rather have teeth pulled than to attend a support group. Uh, that's why many people are deathly afraid of a Christian small group. They've likely never seen the godly side of information, which supports others with the love of Jesus during their most difficult times. Uh, and lives out real uplifting fellowship. The godly side of information leads to healing and refreshment, and we're going to talk about that next Sunday. Uh, so how can you help another person if you don't know he has a need? Well, the shorter answer is you can't. And that's why information is sort of a starting point. Uh, years ago, I remember hearing a story told by a pastor in another state. Yeah, the church office got a call one day from this irate lady, and the secretary didn't know what to do, <clears throat> and so, of course, she pressed the pastor's extension because pastors have all the answers. Yeah, right. Uh, so he answered the phone. He's trying to calm this lady down, and, and finally, she was able to talk and express why she was so upset. Uh, her husband had been in the hospital with a major surgery, and no one had checked on them. No one had called. No one had written a card. And, and so the pastor said, well, that's horrible. Uh, I, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Who is your small group leader? Oh, well, we aren't in a small group. And so he said, oh, okay, well, well, who's your Bible class teacher? Oh, we're not in a Bible class. So he said, well, who on the prayer team did you talk to? Well, we didn't talk to anyone on the prayer team. So he said, well, who did you tell at the church that your husband was having the surgery? Oh, well, we didn't tell anyone. Well, finally, the pastor said, ma'am, I'm so sorry about your husband, husband's condition, but we aren't mind readers. If we don't know about a need... How can we help meet the need? Right? He wasn't trying to be mean, but she kind of figured that maybe, I guess, God sends us text messages uh, when people have needs. Uh, and sometimes the God does impress the Holy Spirit, impresses on our spirit how to help others. Uh, but listen, if, if we don't know about a need in the body of Christ, how can we help meet the need? And so information is important in meeting needs. Now, some needs we've already talked about are pretty evident to people, but other needs are easy to camouflage. And, and I get why you might not share your need. Uh, you have been burned by people who have used your information against you. But I want you to know this morning in church, that that is not God's plan. God has called his children to be part of a New Testament system called the one another system. And it is how we meet each other's needs. And that system only works if we know each other and we're known by each other. And so we ask, what is the need? Now let's ask this next question. Uh, who cares most about our needs? Yeah, and I think you already know the answer to this one. But I want you to go back with me to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, let's just answer this scripturally. 
Matthew chapter 6, and let's start here in verse number 8, where Jesus is explaining the concept of prayer. And he's telling them that, hey, prayer isn't quoting this vain repetition or reading this book every day. Uh, It's going to God, your heavenly Father. So look at this in Matthew 6, 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. Imagine this, right? Uh, God knows what you need before you ask him. And yet, he still wants you to ask. Look down at verse 26. Uh, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather unto barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And, and so this is such a beautiful passage. The one whose eye is on the sparrow, the one who cares for the lilies of the field, are ye not much better than they? You are a person who was originally created in the image of the Almighty God. And and God is fully aware of our needs. He cares more about our needs than anyone else ever has or will. But he calls us to come to him with our burdens, right? He calls us to be honest with him about our cares. Look at the next chapter, Matthew 7 and verse number 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek. And you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? And so God calls us to ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. And we should all go to God first with our needs because he cares for us. He loves us. And and when a bad circumstance happens, uh, when a tragedy happens in your life, God is always your best resource right? God is always the place to go first with that. And I find it's, it's interesting that when a, a big event happens in people's lives, about half of people run toward God, and the other half of people, they run away from God. Uh, but God is the one who has your best interest in mind uh, all the time, and especially when you're hurting, especially when you're in pain. And and so run to God and tell Him what your need is. Now, let's ask question number three. How does God meet our needs? 
How does God meet our needs? Now, I want to start uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7. This is one of the most amazing verses in all of Scripture to put your life in perspective. And I remember when I was a senior in high school, my high school basketball coach shared this at our first meeting of the year before we started practice. And back then, you know, there was nothing in the way of word processing and making documents like we have now. There were barely even computers at that time. And I remember he had typed out 1 Corinthians 7, and he had typed out three questions to ask, and he just gave us these little slips of paper for us to take with us. Uh, but it made a huge impact on me. Now, look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse number 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? And so here in this verse, Paul asked these three crucial questions, right? Who made you different from other people? God did, right? If you're taller than other people, God's the one who made you that way. If you're shorter than other people, God's the one who made you that way, right? If you have a big nose, take it up with God, right? Uh, Some people take it up with their mom or dad. God's the one who made you, right? If you've got a chin that juts out, take it up with God. If God made you a girl, you're a girl, Okay, if God made you a boy, you're a boy. If you don't like it, take it up with him. He's your creator. You can no more change that than you can change your height. Or you can change the color of your eyes or how many eyelashes you have or how many hairs you have on your head or the color of your skin or the year you were born or the place you were born or your birth parents. God chose all of those things for you. Right? And when you push against it, you know who's going to be miserable? Not God. You. Right? When you fight back against your creator on you as a created being, you are the one who will receive the pain from it. And so God says, Who made you different from other people? It's obvious. God did. What do you have that you haven't received? Nothing, right? Not not one thing. Everything we have has been received from God, from other people, uh, from nature given to us by God. And then if you received it, why are you strutting around like a peacock like you did it by yourself, yo jive turkey? (laughs) Right? Right? Uh, why do you think that God made you six foot ten where you can run and jump and dunk and that makes you better than other people? Right? I'm five foot six. God made me. There's three people who are five foot six who've dunked a basketball. No, there's probably more than that. Muggsy Bogues was five foot three. He dunked a basketball. Spud Webb was five foot six. He dunked a basketball. Uh, 
We're all made different. Who made us? God did. And don't let your natural gifts and talents make you fill up with pride that you are some incredible being. Right? God's the one who made you different. Quick glorying in what other people did for you. Now, everything we receive comes from God. Sometimes through what might only be considered as a miraculous provision. Other times it's through God directing the hearts of people to minister. Now, we see this uh, in a very distinct way in the life of Elijah the prophet. You may remember Elijah. He was a rough customer. You could spot him coming a long way away, and you could smell him coming a long way away. Uh, in 1 Kings King 17, God sent Elijah to go and tell wicked King Ahab, it's not going to rain again till I say so. And God's pushing Ahab to this point of contention where he'd either repent or harden his heart even more. And, and so after the king got the message, Elijah was instructed by God to go and hide because the king's going to want to kill him. So he said, go hide by this brook Cherith, and you're going to have plenty of drinking water, even though it's not going to rain. And God commanded the ravens to feed him. Now, let me tell you, this is supernatural provision, okay? Ravens do not normally show up each morning and evening to deliver you food. Now, DoorDash might, but not ugly scavenger birds, Okay, can you imagine this? Like, here comes a raven, drops by his bagel in the morning, like fresh from the palace. Somebody told me that years ago. The ravens would go and steal food from the palace and bring it to Elijah. Uh, it's, more, it's more possible that it actually was a field mice uh, that they had just caught, or that it was like uh, some type of rodent that had been hit by a chariot out on the road. And so they're bringing Elijah some fresh roadkill. Swooping in, come in, here's your breakfast, buddy. They drop in. And at night, here comes another raven. Here's your dinner, buddy. And <laughs> Elijah, it's kind of like that one year my mom got canned food uh, and all the labels were ripped off because she got it from some... Um, Charity or canned food outlet that was giving it away. And so for about a month, she said, okay, whatever we open tonight, that's what we're going to eat. And so sometimes for dinner, we had beets. And sometimes we had baked beans. And sometimes we had those little pieces of corn, you know, those little corns. And sometimes we had peaches. It was just, it was actually kind of fun, right? Do you remember being poor and how fun that was? Oh, it can be really fun. Uh, so these scavenger birds bring him all his food. Now, after a while, there's no rain. The brook dried up. And so God sent Elijah to a Gentile village named Zarephath, where a widow woman would provide him food. Now, maybe you know this story. It's in the same chapter. Elijah showed up in the village at the gate of the city. There's this widow gathering sticks for a fire. He asked her for a drink of water. As she's going to get it, he asked if she could also bring him some bread. Now, isn't it interesting that the bold, manly prophet had to humble himself a little and express that he had a need? 
right? He had to ask for water. He had to ask for bread. It's sad that a lot of manly men think that it will somehow diminish their manliness if they ever ask for help. Listen to how he asked her. This is the exact wording. He said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Very polite. But the woman replied, as the Lord your God lives, I have not a cake. Translation, I ain't got no bread. Right? Only a handful of meal at the bottom of a barrel and a tiny bit of oil in a jar. And she told him, I'm actually gathering sticks so I can make some batter and bacon, and then my son and I are going to eat this last bit of food before we die of starvation. Now, what happens next is, is a window into how real ministry works. Elijah said to her, fear not. Uh, in other words, what I'm about to say will make no sense. And so just go with it by faith. He said, listen, go and do what you said, but make me a little cake first and bring it to me because I'm a preacher, right? And preachers always get to go first in the potluck line, right? Make me a little cake first. I'm just kidding. You people, they're gonna, you talk about it all the way home. That preacher, he just wants to be in front of the line. He just wants the best pie. He just wants the best thing. I always go at the back of the line, and I can't eat the stuff anyway. If you know my story, there's like two things in the potluck I can eat, a cracker and a piece of cheese. Um, he said, go make me a cake first, then you and your son. And, and there are times, listen, where God meets our needs through the sacrificial ministry of other people. Many people hesitate to get involved in ministry because there is a cost. And sometimes there's a great deal of sacrifice. Helping people costs you time and energy and resources and emotional effort, spiritual dedication. But listen to the end of Elijah's speech. He said, For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. The cruise of oil shall not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. God provides for those who live out sacrificial ministry. Uh, I love 1 Kings 17, 15. It says, she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And so the ravens, look, they were a miraculous provision. But so was the widow woman who ministered by faith. Now, how does God meet needs? Through one of his children sometimes offering a cup of cold water or a warm blanket or a pair of shoes or a listening ear or an investment of relationship, time spent with souls in need, discipleship, teaching, modeling marriage, modeling parenting, offering selfless love, using gifts and abilities to strengthen the body of Christ, using God-given boldness to preach the good news. Yes, there is a cost. The widow woman had to first make Elijah a cake. She had to sacrifice what was valuable to receive God's provision. 
But God moved through her heart of ministry, and every day when she went to the barrel, there was just a little more meal. There was just a few more drops of oil in the jar. And so how does God meet our needs? By the simple faith of those who serve. God, I'm going to use what you provided to bless others, trusting that you will provide more. And, and some Christians sadly never experience how God provides as we minister because they're too afraid to commit what they've been given. And so they miss out on God's plan for meeting needs. Now, I want to ask this last question of the day. Do we desire to be used by God to meet needs? Back in our text passage, uh, we see that Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus met a need in the life of Paul, but only because they were available to be guided by God toward what was lacking in the life of another person. Whatever the specifics were on Paul's need, the people in Corinth left him lacking, and these ministers supplied the need. So what does it take to be a minister? Just be available. Just be ready for God to use you. If you have a willing heart, God will show you a need to me. If you have a listening ear, God will show you a need to me. If you treat people's information with honor, God will allow you to meet needs. If you live an unselfish life and you don't clutch your resources, God will make you a conduit of blessing. Our faith challenge today is a practical verse from Philippians 2. Uh, there, there were some people in the church at Philippi who were struggling to get along with each other. And uh, Paul hit them with this loving truth bomb on how to be like-minded. And listen to this from Philippians 2. He said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't always ask, what can I do for myself with this resource? Ask, what can I do for others with this resource. And then Paul goes on to talk about the selfless, humble mind of Christ, who took upon himself the form of a servant. He was a minister. He didn't worry about what he would receive. He focused on what he could give, because ministry is supplying a need. And so the question is, am I, are you, are we available? to be used by God this week in meeting someone else's need. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you would allow us to be used as servants of God. And I pray that you would make us available. We certainly will not be addicted to ministry until we are available to be used by you. Until we're ready to count the cost and to suffer a little in the course of service. I pray that you would make us your servants this week, that we would serve in our families, that we would serve in our community, that we would be what God has called us to be in this age. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Would you stand together? Let's sing this final chorus. Sing, oh, come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Sing, oh, come. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope that you guys have a great week. God bless, and we'll see you all on Sunday.